Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 565 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And today's show is for dreamers. We're going to discuss just how a free agency pitch would go to bring Claude Giroux to the nation's capital. Ross, usually I'm pulling your heads out of the clouds, but today I'm right there with you dreaming about Claude Giroux coming home after his Florida Panthers got swept. The President Trophy winner swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are dead. We'll discuss Andre Vasilevsky's greatness a little bit as well. Of course, goalie-friendly show. And then from our dreams to the dreams of four more draft prospects, we'll get into our rankings number 60 through 57. Three of them had their entire last season wiped out from under them. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Tuesday, May 24th. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where the best way you can help us grow is is to subscribe, like the video, and leave us a comment as well. Today's comment, we want to know what your best free agency pitch would be to Claude Giroux. Pilsy, what's yours? I mean, where do you even start with this? Because there are so many beneficial things for Claude Giroux coming home to Ottawa. Yeah, keep going. Number one. Okay. You're already building a house there. So you got a house there. You got a place to live. You don't have to worry about going through the struggles of the real estate agent, moving all your stuff, the wife, kids, getting familiar with the area. That's already all set and done. And I'm sure the wives and partners of hockey players would say that is a big part of your decision is where the kid's going to go to school. Is it going to be a good place for them to grow up, et cetera, et cetera. So right off the bat, Ottawa I can confirm, although I'm not a born and raised Ottawa guy like you, Ross, great place to live. Even when I'm spending just a couple days there catching sentence games, I'm always like, man, this is an amazing city. So right off the bat, location, house, check, done. Now, let's get to the hockey side of this. Before you you do, Pilsy, for everyone watching on YouTube, for anyone who's scoffing at that, I mean, I'm pulling up right now. That's Claude Giroux's nine most recent shots on Instagram. This is a family man. This is not the 24-year-old Claude Giroux. He's certainly, and we'll discuss how age comes into effect here about what kind of contract you're offering him, but this is a family man, so all those are valid points. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think a lot of fans, they kind of overview where the family fits into all the equations, and when you're an older guy and you've already made your money, you've already made a legacy for yourself in Philadelphia, you took a crack at uh, going for the cup with a joining a president's trophy winning team that didn't work out so let's let's change things up here and come to ottawa a team that is on the cusp of reaching greatness we're we're supposed to be in year two of uh years of unparalleled success we're we're moving along here maybe uh rock auto needs to help out the cut the vehicle that the sends are driving to get to that road to unparalleled success but claude Giroux can be the handyman that does the fixing because 
He's a veteran guy. He's experienced a lot. Sure, maybe the Flyers, no cup ring, nothing like that. But they've had a lot of playoff success. Uh, maybe success is pushing it, but they've been in the playoffs a lot, right? So he has that postseason experience where he's a captain, he's a leader. Now he can join a team where he doesn't have to be the number one guy. There's already a face of the franchise here in Brady Kachuk. So all that kind of responsibility can be uh, given off to Brady, to Thomas Shabbat, to Connor Brown, guys who have already established themselves as leaders of this locker room, whereas you can just support those guys with your wealth of experience, with so many NHL games played. Uh, he, for fans that say, why would we want Claude Giroux? He's washed, et cetera, et cetera. This guy still puts up massive, massive points, season in and season out. Get him on a line with Josh Norris and Brady Kachuk or Drake Batherson and Tim Stutzler, like put him on the wing of either of those lines. And I think he could have a lot of success. I especially like the idea, Ross, of getting him on Tim Stutzler's line. Because one thing Claude Giroux is good at is he's able to play the wing and center. Timmy hasn't quite figured out how to have success in the faceoff dot at the NHL level. Why not take a bit of responsibility off him and be like, all right, you're struggling in the faceoff dot. No worries. Giroux is right there for you to help you. So the fact, and then you look at, where this team is going. Jake Sanderson is going to be an incredible defenseman. He's now going to be in the NHL starting up here. Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzler, Drake Batherson, they're young guys that have already established themselves at an NHL level, and they're only going to get better. So if I'm Claude Giroux, the fact that you know the area, you've got a house here, it's obviously a fit for your family, and the fact that you don't have to be the go-to captain and you just have to help this young core that's seemingly rising to uh, to have success in the upcoming future. There's a lot to like about coming to Ottawa. I would just show him a Tim Stutzel highlight pack and say, mm-hmm. hey, you want to play with this kid? But yep. think about it from the Sens perspective and for people maybe a little bit on the fence, whether they even want him, which to me, it's a no-brainer. This guy makes your team better today, tomorrow. I would Especially even as a free agent. Oh, my God. No assets given up. I'd yep. give him as much as a three-year contract here. Hell yeah. Sure. He's, he's 34 years old. I believe he'll be 35 when the season starts, uh, mid-January. He's actually born three days before Tim Stutzel, a couple of years ahead as well. <laughs> yeah. But uh, a January birthday, so he's going to start next season at 34 years old. So to me, a three-year contract at like $7 million per would be ideal. If you have to overpay to bring him here, and maybe you can get the AAV up and the term down, two years to me would be absolutely perfect. But you understand a guy at that stage – You're not going to go through all the family commitments that you said only to sign for two years. Let's say he wants to keep playing, then have to either find a new home, whatever it is. But Ottawa has three young centermen coming up in the system. More later down, but there's three guys who are big parts of the future. Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris, and the forgotten stud Shane Pinto. Of course, he missed 77 games. Who better to learn from? In terms of hockey IQ, a guy who's been there, done that. A guy who's still playing at a high level. Not Derek Stepan coming in at 33. This is a guy who's been a captain for almost a decade. I believe the the second flyer to reach 1,000 uh, games played right after uh, the legend. I'm uh, forgetting the name right now. Uh, I Bobby can Clark. picture his face. Thank you very much, Bobby Clark. And This guy, he just brings a wealth of knowledge to the game. He's, what, an eight-time All-Star? He's got so many accolades, and he just brings an element that the Sens don't have. You know what else he does, Pilsy? Contributes on the power play, which Ottawa could use another member, especially, I mean, they went through injuries, and yeah, all teams did. That second power play unit, unwatchable. 
and you look at what he's done, uh, let's see, in his career. 84 power play goals and 255 power play assists in his career. But the pitch to me is Tim Stutzla. Not only that, sure, you say, look, we have this perfect spot for you in our top six. He doesn't have to be the guy, as you mentioned, but also, Pilsy, if he helps bring this team to be a contender, not even win, even if he helps them get out of the first round, the second round, whatever it is, if I mean, the first round, if you can then be like, wow, we rebuilt and won a round before the, the lease, what, three different times? <laughs> He's going to be a legend in the city of Ottawa for the Honestly. rest of his life. The only question is, where do they put the statue? <laughs> shout, shout out Gord Wilson uh, on that one. But seriously, I don't think anything he could do in Ottawa would hurt his legacy in the city. I mean, he's still like a guy who, if you see him around town, you like you nudge your buddy, and you're like, yo, that's Claude Giroux. The only thing that he can do is establish himself as a great in the community if he came home and brought any level of success. Doesn't even have to be a Stanley Cup. And I think you can dangle that carrot and be like, man, not to... Not to say they're going to name the bridges after them. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, they've already been spoken for. But just like Pajot, who was a fan favorite, former Gatineau Olympique, you've got Claude Giroux, former Gatineau Olympique, who's done his tour of duty in the National Hockey League as a captain and as a hired gun. Although, not many bullets in the chamber there with the rest of the Florida Panthers. But this would just be a perfect addition, and you just sell that to him. You say, look, you could be the missing piece of what we're looking for. And I think, now I want to get your take here, and we've gone probably a little long on Claude Giroux, but I'm dreaming, man. I'm dreaming. Do you think it helps or hurts that the Florida Panthers were knocked out the way they did as President's Trophy? I'll let you answer, and I have my own take on it as well. I think it hurts. Like like we talked about, I think the ultimate scenario would have been for him to win a cup in Florida. Then he's got that in his back pocket. He's not so pressured to be like, I need to join a contending team to win. Because... I think when you're someone of Claude Drew's stature and you've been playing this long, you've been a captain for a great franchise in Philadelphia and you don't have that cup ring, that's tough. You don't want to ride out into the sunset without that. So personally, I think that hurts his uh, scenario coming to Ottawa. But Elliot Friedman's already reported that he's open to the idea. He's doing his research, whatever whatever that means. Hopefully he's watching this video on YouTube and getting some good research in. But Smash think- like button, Claude. <laughs> yeah, yes, please. Um, I think, uh, and I'll let you get to your point, but I think another quick reason why this would be a good fit is he's been in the game a long time. I bet he can look at the Ottawa Senators and he can identify, yeah, they are missing a veteran guy who can play on the center and the wing and fill out that uh, top six forward, fill out that second power play unit. Like, he's got to understand that this team is only a few pieces away from having a complete group that they can build on towards getting to the playoffs. So I think he's able to notice that. And I mean, when you're going, this will likely be his last contract unless he does a couple like one year, just re-upping. The Marlowe victory lap. Yeah, exactly. Retirement tour. So if you're Claude Giroux, you're looking at a team that has a young core that's going to be fun to play with in an area that you like. But also, hey, you want to make your money before you retire. You can't blame them there. And like you said, I would have no issue, Ross, if the Sens needed to go three years to secure the deal and if they needed to overpay him a little because this is the exact piece that they need. And they have so many assets, so they could use those assets to acquire someone through trade. Defenseman. Then you bring him in as the forward. That's that's a great point as well. Then you don't have to use him as the top six. But what's another asset this team has? 
cap space. So Tons. you can use that asset to acquire a free agent in Claude Giroux. So uh, I think it's just a no-brainer, and I would love to see him back in Ottawa. Oh, oh it would be awesome. Sorry, Connor Brown, you'd have to give up number 28. Those are just the rules. I don't make them. But when you, got, when you got a guy with over 1,000 games... Sorry, Connor. You'll get a nice watch over. out of it, though. Don't worry. He, he's got a ha- what? He got some sort of bag from uh, Thomas Shabbat for breaking his jaw. Yes. Now I'll get the Rolex. So he's going to be doing all right. Yeah, looking sharp, Connor Brown, ready mm-hmm. to go downtown. Yes. Connor Brown. Uh, I'd say you're probably right. I hate to say it, but uh, probably more likely he's going to sign with the team who's already close to contending. But what my spin zone is is everything looked amazing for the Florida Panthers. Yep. And it just wasn't. The The hierarchy can change in the NHL in an instant. Colorado was one of the most unwatchable teams up to 2019. Big and then all of a sudden, switch flips. And all of a sudden, they're contenders. I'm not saying the Sens are at that same point as Colorado. But I'm also not not saying it. So I'll leave you with that thought that maybe he looks at what's going to be a good team for the next two, three years. Not what's been a good team. A team like Florida, who doesn't have a first-round draft pick until 2025. So there's there's just that as kind of what I'm spin-zoning my own brain into thinking that there's a chance. I would handicap it at 22%. 22%, okay. I'll uh, Ross, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to go a little higher than you. I, I'm going to put it at... 35% chance oh, all right. coming here because like like it just makes so much sense and I think it'd be great if he got the contract he wants and he doesn't have that pressure that he had in Philly or even in Florida like when you're a major um, trade deadline acquisition there's a lot of pressure on you and especially for the fact that he was like I'm going to Florida you like he told the Flyers you can try to trade me somewhere else I won't go I'm, I want to go to Florida so should have gone to Colorado that would have made things very interesting. I think it was the right move going to Florida. It just it didn't didn't work yeah. out for him. And I mean, anytime you run into the back to back Stanley Cup champs in round two, that's fair. You, yeah. you hope you don't get swept as a President's Trophy team, but it's you got beat by a better team. What yeah. what can you do? Yeah, fair enough, Pilsy. Let's get to our draft rankings. We will touch a little bit more on that series. Got some Vasilevsky stats. I just got to get off my chest. Yeah. Do not look at who the Sens drafted four spots before Andre oh Vasilevsky. God, yeah. It's 10 years ago, Pilsy. We got to let it go. But maybe we'll tell you coming up. But Pilsy's got a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Yeah, it's one of my favorite sponsors. It's an Mine OG too. sponsor. Yes, one of Ross's favorite sponsors too. Sorry. Uh, and Ross, I'm at a point now where I don't even need to use the um, the ad script because I just love talking about Built Bar myself. So I'll just take it from here. It's Built Bar the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. The best part about Built Bar is they focus on making the candy. I call them candy bars because their focus is on making them taste good and then turning them into a healthy protein bar. So what does every protein bar need? Chocolate. I love chocolate. I know you guys like chocolate. That's why Built Bar is like, hey, every single bar, whether it's a built puff or a protein bar, it's going to be covered in 100% chocolate. You'll love that. They even have a double chocolate flavor if that isn't enough for you. Head to their website today, built.com. I'm looking at it right now, Ross, and they always bring up new flavors. One of their uh, newest ones that I absolutely love is the Grasshopper Cookie Bar. You get that nice chocolatey taste. Check out Grasshopper Cookies if you haven't tried them before. It's something a little different and 
Built Bar, they like trying things different. And if you want to try Grasshopper Cookie and more flavors, we recommend getting the Mixed Box. Go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Once again, for the people in the back, Built.com, LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You are listening to the Locked On Senators podcast on your favorite audio podcast platform or on YouTube where we're free and available to subscribe. Please like and leave a comment. It goes a long way for us. All right, Pilsy. Before we move on, we also want to extend our well wishes to anyone who was affected by the storm that hit eastern Ontario and Quebec as well over the last few days. The destruction, it just looks like, like right out of a horror movie. So we hope everybody's doing all right. I know my parents are on day four without power in Alta Vista. So we're hoping that everyone is doing what they can. We know that Ottawa is full of a great community. And we know that people who do have power are welcoming those who don't for a shower, for dinner. So that community atmosphere is what's holding everyone together. But we just wanted to say our thoughts are with everyone who's been affected by this natural disaster. And just quickly, Ross, shout out all the Hydro One workers and Hydro workers because I've got a couple friends in the industry and that is a tough job on the best of days. Now throw in one of the worst storms we've seen in a long time and thousands of people calling in complaining they don't have Hydro, they still don't have Hydro, when are we getting Hydro? These people are working like triple, double shifts, they're barely getting any sleep, they're out there in the crappy weather, they're up trying to get new Hydro poles, they're taking away trees, like those guys are working their their balls off really like they're working hard so have a little respect for the hydro one workers because they're doing everything they can well said pilsy we also want to say that we're standing with nazim kadri some trash coming out of st louis emotions run high come playoff times but racism all that take a hike you don't deserve to have your opinion heard if it's going to be as trash as that so good on nazim kadri we love a good revenge game here on locked on senators and he had a hat trick in front of st louis's fans this guy had a police stationed outside of his hotel room the whole time he was in st louis because of death threats racist threats trash 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 doesn't speak for all st louis fans we love our boys on locked on blues thomas wells all those guys so that to say good on nazim kadri for fighting through all the bullshit and being able to put up an unreal performance colorado takes a 3-1 series lead there pilsy last thing before we get to our draft rankings and again with our draft rankings we are putting out individual videos we don't expect you to watch this and then go watch that right away what it is is leading up to the draft if a name catches your attention and you're like oh have the locked on sense guys done a profile on them you can just head to youtube we have a playlist there and boom you can easily see each player. We're just titling them draft profile and the player's name. So it's going to be the same that you're going to hear on this show, just easier to find because as the draft gets closer, different people have their interest peaked at different times for different players. Wow. That was a tough sentence for me. You made it through. Well done. <laughs> um, Andre Vasilevsky now 10 and 0 in his last 10 elimination games. This guy is absolutely disgusting. One goal again. So shout out to the Leafs. Can we get a little round of applause to the Leafs? They couldn't beat the Lightning in Game 7. They couldn't do what Nick Paul does. But they are the only team of the last seven to go up against Vasilevsky in an elimination game to score a goal. They scored one. One goal. That's One incredible. goal against Pilsy on 200 shots. Do you know what his goals against averages in those games? 
Uh, that that's tough for me, math guy. Uh, it's pretty good though. I'll Zero point one four. Oh my god! And hey, shout out the Florida Panthers because they did not lose for lack of trying. They outshot the Lightning Ross eighteen to three in the first period. They had eighteen shots, sixteen shots, fifteen shots. Total shots were forty nine to twenty six. Like they were throwing everything they had at the at, at the big cat. Vasilevsky and uh, they couldn't get past him and the Lightning had two disallowed goals in like a two minute span like I I didn't get to watch this game live but I caught the highlights what a crazy crazy way for that to go out and I was pretty sad about it Ross I said on Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day I was I was heavy on the Cats win one game there but Tampa Bay Lightning that team just they are the epitome of excellence you can't you can't do what they do do I have to remind everyone the last team to beat the reigning champion, Tampa Bay Lightning? Maybe I'll do it once after each team loses because now we've got the Florida Panthers dead. It's the 2006 Ottawa Senators. Yes, there was a lockout season in between, but no team has beaten them since. And you can't just be like, oh, cherry pick. Man, we're going on 10 teams now who have fallen at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, I always bring that up because one of my favorite series in Senators franchise history. You had the Charles Cavalier fight. You had a Martin Havlat four-goal game in the postseason. It was just a fantastic season. Uh, Fantastic series there. All right, what do you say we hit the final break here and then get into our NHL draft profiles? All right, Pilsy, here we are. It's NHL draft season. And on today's list, we are going... Step by step, we did number 64 through 61 yesterday. Today, we're continuing on the same path that we left off with our final profile yesterday. And we're getting a lot of great feedback on our YouTube video. People love Paul Ludwinski. So keep that as a name. And if you haven't caught it, well, good thing, as I mentioned, we've got our draft profiles kept separately. So you can go back and listen to Paul Ludwinski and Why I bring Paul back up is because as an OHL player, he missed all of his first season due to the COVID pandemic. That is the same case for this next player. And that adjustment, it's just so tough to make going from minor hockey to the OHL. So how can they affect it? Well, coming in at number 60 with an average from our seven scouts at 55.6. It's Bryce McConnell Barker from the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. Yeah, a very interesting player. Right off the bat, though, a bit of a longer name. So I'm going to abbreviate and call him uh, BMB a a little more often here. So if you're wondering what the hell is BMB, that is Bryce McConnell Barker. And he played with the Sioux Greyhounds. And we got a lot of OHL action, Ross, in today's show. As we talked about a guy that was picked very high in the draft uh, in the OHL yesterday. Well, BMB was picked fourth overall by the Greyhounds in 2020, and he was eighth in rookie scoring in the entire league. So he put up big points in his first year in the O. And the thing is, his opportunity came, and you never cheer for injuries, but because an NHL drafted player, Tanner Dickinson, who played second-line center on this team, he got injured at the end of January and missed the end of the season. It gave BMB a real opportunity to move up the lineup. The Sioux's a good team. And he was able to move up their lineup and play with better players. And certainly 
it impacted his game because I'm looking at his game log here and the injury to Dickinson happened on January 29th. Well, he pretty much went point, 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 no point, 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 point. Like right after the injury, his numbers exploded. However, it didn't continue through the end of the season. So I think after the injury, you could probably have looked at him as being more of a late first round guy, but then only one goal in the postseason, Pilsy, in 10 games, five points, so four apples, but he only had those five points in his last 11 games that he played all season long. 23 goals, 49 points during the regular season. Those numbers jump off the page. He was a scorer in his minor hockey league career, even got to play some junior A as a as a 15, probably just turned 16-year-old, although he is a late birthday. June 4th. We'll get into his Elite Prospects page in just a little bit. But Pilsy, to me, I'm looking at that opportunity he got. I think he made a lot of it, but maybe not the most because of that playoff performance. Before I let you tell me what his best strengths are, if you're watching on YouTube, you can already see it. But if you're just listening, what we do is we have our seven scouting entities. We average them out. I mentioned 55.6. Well, here's where each individual guy has them. Bob McKenzie at 43. Chris Peters at 50. Craig Button at 60, Elite Prospects at 62, and Scott Wheeler at 63. So there's a little tight-knit community there of early 60s, and that's where we have them at number 60. And I think for BMB, he might have been one of those players where, like you mentioned, it's a big jump going from your, your minor hockey team where he played in London to going to the OHL because like the most games he had played before is like 33 games. And then you're jumping to 68 games and then he's playing 10 games in the playoffs. Like that's a big deal. So I think maybe like you mentioned, kind of near the the back half or a later part of the season, he started slowing down. Maybe you start to see fatigue creep in a little. And when you have a whole season where you don't play any hockey, like it's tough to keep that physical fitness and endurance up through uh, a season that you've never endured before. So I think a lot of these players, they should get a bit of uh, a break in that sense, because it's something unlike anything that other prospects have had to deal with uh, in recent years. But what I like about him is he really seems like an all around uh, skilled guy, right? Like there's not one dominating attribute where you can point to BMB and be like, Hey, this is what he does best here. I, I put in my notes, Ross, I kind of get Nick Paul vibes from him because he's a guy that's willing to work hard on the back check. You can play up and down your lineup. You reference, he started as a third line center, bumped up to a second line center and had some success. Uh, but he's not known for his offense, but at the same time, Put Nick Paul in a opportunity to score goals. I don't know, maybe a game seven up against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he can get things done, right? Like he still can't put the puck in the net. He's got a nice shot. But um, I think really what scouts are going to like about him is he's got great hockey IQ. And he's, for a prospect, he's focused on the defensive side of the game, which not a lot of these young kids are. So I think overall, he's a decent prospect. But Nothing really jumped out at me, Ross. I gave BMB three out of five stars. I went with four stars, Pilsy. And the reason is this. I think with two second round picks, and again, we don't know how the Senators are going to utilize their draft capital this year. I would like to see them re, um, re-energize the middle of the ice in the prospect pool for yeah, more fair. long-term because they've graduated. We talked earlier in the episode, you know, Josh Norris, Tim Stutzla, Shane Pinto, Mark Kastler, even Victor Lodine, who might play wing, I think, at the next level. But they're graduating all these centermen. 
you got to replenish the prospect pool a little bit. So I think especially with Tampa's second round pick, if they do keep it again, that could be 64th overall, which would be the last of our prospect rankings here. I think that you're looking at a situation where why not get a centerman who maybe has that untapped potential as a guy who missed their 16 year old season and still produced almost 50 points, 49 as a, as a 17 year old in the Ontario hockey league. I also like the idea of getting a late birthday, a guy like BMB who's a June birthday. Again, we know that the calendar is just like in school. It flips in mid September. So you're getting a guy who still has all this room to grow. He clearly had the pedigree coming out of minor hockey as a top four pick into the Ontario Hockey League. And just scrolling through here, you can see on his Elite Prospects page, he is a guy who's, I mean, 29 goals in 33 games in his last year. And again, we don't like bringing up minor hockey stats here. This is the National League that these guys are getting drafted in. But those zeros just stand out so heavily in the 2020-2021 season. And we know that, the COVID affected everyone, but the Ontario Hockey League didn't play at all, at all. So I think that betting on the upside of one of these kids could be paying dividends later on. So I like him as a four-star guy, but I like him as a four-star guy with Tampa's second-round pick if he should still be on the board there. Any final thoughts on BMB, Pilsy? Uh, one final thought uh, is in 2019-2020, he did win Alliance Hockey Player of the Year. That's uh, the league he was playing in with uh, the London Junior Knights, the U16 league there. So obviously a guy that's been able to really shine uh, in, in big moments and he's gotten a lot of respect for that. So that's just something to note as well. And the one thing he needs to work on, a lot of these kids do, it's just the consistency. And again, with more reps comes more consistency. But he's got a lot of tools in his toolbox. And that's why I'm a big fan of Bryce McConnell Barker. All right, coming in at number 59 on the Locked On Senators draft rankings for the 2022 NHL draft, it's Matthew Poitras. Pilsy, we're going to your neck of the woods. The Guelph Storm is where he plies his trade. Yep, a good Guelph Storm player. And uh, I, I always love uh, reviewing these guys. I haven't followed the Storm as much as I usually do just because we've been bi- there's no Sens prospects. So we've been busier following uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs, the Kingston Frontenacs, and uh, teams out west. But they had a decent season and they surprised a lot of people in the OHL. And uh, Matthew Poitras is one of those guys that helped out a lot. 68 games played, 21 goals, 29 assists. He led the storm in rookie scoring. He was seventh in rookie scoring in the entire league. So just a little bit better than BMB, who we just talked about there. And what I like about Poitras a lot here is he did everything for the storm, Ross. You talk about a versatile player, played center, played the wing on the power play, killing penalties. He's all over the place. And that's what you need from a young player to prove, hey, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to stay in this lineup. I don't care where you put me, coach. Just let me know when I have to get on the ice. But some knocks on him, Ross, are his size, 5'11", 172, so so not a big guy. He tended to lose a lot of puck battles, and according to McKean's Hockey, uh, the profile they had on him, is he didn't really have a lot of explosiveness. So when you're a guy with his size and you're not able to kind of use that explosiveness to get around some of the bigger guys and you're losing puck battles early on, that can be tough to progress as a player. His rankings through our scouts, Bob McKenzie, the highest on him at 41 on his midseason list. Chris Peters has him at 43. Then Scott Wheeler down at 56. Elite prospects at 60. 
and Craig Button at 78 on his list for an average of 55.6. Again, just like the last few on our list and the next guy coming up missed the entire 2021 season. He was a 12th overall pick into the Ontario Hockey League. I'm excited for when we don't have to bring up where they were drafted to the level below, but it does have value when you're talking about a guy who only played 68 OHL games. Usually kids are at over 100 when they're getting drafted into the National Hockey League. He's a kid who models his game after Braden Point, Pilsy. And if he can be anything close to what Braden Point is at the National Hockey League level, it would be a win. He's a very smart player, and I think that's what's going to allow him to become an NHLer. Yeah, and just like Braden Point, Ross, he's a great playmaker. And I would say he's a playmaker over a shooter. Didn't have a lot of shots, only 129 last season. But when he gets... uh, combined with great players like Sasha Pasajov, the Ducks pick. I was high on him. I think I gave him four and a half stars uh, last uh, draft. He was a slider. He went in the third round all of a sudden. He might have been one of the last guys off our list. I think he was, yeah. Which Every pick, I was like, they got to go for this guy. They got to go for him. But when uh, once once you're at your take once he was finally off the board you changed over to past the job basically yeah yeah I was I was frustrated for a lot of picks I could tell you that but Poitras he was stoked to have uh passage on his team because they connected for a bunch of nice goals and um Jacob Barker from Dauber Prospects Dauber Prospects uh, another great uh site to use he said He's an incredible, hardworking player with a well-rounded skill set that he utilizes effectively in three zones of the ice. So, again, a lot of these younger prospects, they're just offense, offense, offense. How can I make a highlight reel goal so the scouts will notice me? This guy does things efficiently in all zones of the ice, which coaches are going to take notice of. And scouts, they can definitely appreciate that too. Ross, I think Poitras could be one of those guys that plays a big role as a versatile third line center on like a cup contending team. Like he's one of those guys where you can have him as your third line center, but if there's an injury, he can bounce, he can bounce up and be a playmaker for some of those top guys. But he also has a work ethic where if he's not on the ice with some of the top scores, he can be like, I'll figure my game out and I'll be uh, efficient in other areas like killing penalties winning those neutral zone uh, uh, battles and stuff like that as he gets a little more size. So I like Poitras here. I'm giving him three three out of five stars, though, just because I think he's not quite the guy the Sens are looking for right now. March 10th, 2004 birthday from Brooklyn. Where Brooklyn at? Brooklyn, Ontario, native. And uh, as you mentioned, a shorter, but he is growing. He was 5'9 when he got drafted the OHL, yep. and now he's 5'11". You know, scouts love seeing that six next to the height, but still production right there. And 58 pims too, so he's not getting pushed around as a smaller guy. You know that those guys have to stand up for themselves a little bit more often, especially to earn respect in a new league. Well, he certainly did that. 21 goals, 50 points in 68 games. And even though Guelph disappointed in the playoffs, he still contributed four points in five games. You look at at every level, man, different tournaments he's played in, always a point per game or better. Now, you don't love seeing this, though, Pilsy. A 6 nothing loss as they were eliminated in five games, dash four in a, in a 6 nothing loss there. But take a look at the game before. A 5-4 OT loss, a goal, two assists, and plus two, right? So yep. I, I, he's, he's able to kind of have both types of games. Yeah, no question. Um, you gave him, what, three stars, did you say? Three stars, yep. He's a three-star guy for me as well. I just think, yes, I like Centerman. But as we mentioned, the last couple of guys we did, 
They project better at center. I think the jury's still out. And he certainly could. But I think Matthew Poitras, where he's at right now, I think that maybe wing is where he ends up. Uh, We should mention as well, we always like to point out, he's a right shot. And I don't know what it is, Pilsy. I feel like right shots are more rare than left shots. I'd like the official number here. I always feel I'm, we know on defense, but even at forward, I think that righties, you know, they're a little bit more rare and maybe that does help his stat going forward because the last couple of guys that we mentioned, both lefties. So that being said, Matthew Poitras, certainly a fantastic prospect for this upcoming 2022 NHL draft. All right, Pilsy, coming in at number 58 on our draft rankings with an average of 54.33, a defenseman, Isaiah George from the London Knights. Yeah, Isaiah George is a very intriguing prospect, Ross, for for a number of reasons. Uh, First, He's got decent size. You get that nice six, like you were talking about, beside Ooh. his name. Six foot one, 194 pounds. Now, he is a left shot defenseman, so you don't get that uh, the right shot that you're looking for. But this is a guy we haven't really talked about a defining attribute for players before in today's episode yet. This guy has one. Isaiah George is an exceptional skater, Ross. Like, they... Um, he was selected to play at the CHL Top Prospects game, so not a big deal. That's a good showcase for him. And he was posting better skating times than Shane Wright. Heard of him? Wow. He Out of the top five skaters, he posted the fourth best numbers as a defenseman with some size. And it, it's his rookie season in the OHL. With the London Knights, 67 games played, six goals, 17 assists, good for 23 points. And I'm very intrigued in Isaiah George. And that's where our rankings go. We know Elite Prospects does so much of their focus on skating. And they have them ranked at 38 on their list. Just out of the first round. 38. Whereas Bob McKenzie has them at 55. Craig Button at 70. So divisive in the world of prospect rankings for him. But I think because we know Craig and Bob have one more rankings coming up. I think we're going to see Isaiah George rise a little bit. Now... Not the best season in terms of production, at least at the end, offensively. He's a guy who finished the year with just one goal, two assists for three points in his last 10 games. Dash four again. That's not what you're really getting. It's that skating to defend, you know, like not an overly physical, but a guy who's defense first and relies on his skating to allow the rest of his game to come through. Still 23 points in 67 games. I mean, respectable numbers. For a young defenseman, again, we have to say it. I know you're getting sick of hearing it, but we are doing a lot of OHL guys right off the bat. He missed an entire year of development at such a crucial age where he should have been transitioning from junior or from OHL or sorry, from minor hockey into the OHL. This is a guy who played in the GTHL, one of the most prestigious leagues in minor hockey in Canada for the Toronto Marlboros. But still, again, the offensive numbers even there didn't jump out. He's just that modern-day defensive defenseman. Would you say that's a fair analogy, analysis? I, I actually think I wouldn't quite uh, put him as an off uh, defensive defenseman, Ross, because Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter, he talked about uh, George's ability to balance offense and defense and finding okay. ways to stay valuable uh, and stay in this lineup as a rookie. He also highlighted that George had no issue playing the right side. So when you get a defenseman that has... 
decent size, decent skating, ability to play offensively and defensively, and can play both sides, you're adding a lot of value as a prospect. And I think you mentioned how he didn't really finish the season off strong. I wasn't able to find a scoop on this or, or a confirmed reason, but he didn't play any playoff games. And the London Knights, they were in the playoffs, and he didn't play any of those games. So maybe we're looking at a lingering injury that happened, and then they shut him down at the end of the season. That's something we'd have to look into. I wasn't able to find it. But I really like Isaiah George. And even uh, I was only kind of able to find London Knights uh, uh, people quoting him, which if you're a fan of the OHL, you know, London Knights, they have no issues pumping their own tires. So I wasn't surprised by that. But Rob Simpson, the Knights associate manager, he complimented his ability to cover a lot of territory on the ice, retrieving pucks and transitioning the puck up the ice. So he's he uses that skating to get all over the place. And when he's got decent reach, he's able to pick out those uh, gaps, have good gap control and stop all the other teams from getting into the zone. And then he can retrieve the puck and bring it up the other way of the ice as well. So Isaiah George, for me, has a lot of great uh, great factors here. I gave him four four stars, Ross, because a defenseman that can skate like him, like I mentioned, top five in skating statistics when they do the drills at the CHL top prospect game. When you can start with a great skater that can play offense, defense, and both sides, that's incredible value. So I like Isaiah George a lot, four to five stars for me. When you were talking about playing both sides, it brought me back to what Brad Berry told Tyler Clevin. Instead of competing for three jobs at the next level, there you go. all of a sudden you're competing for six. Yep. So it certainly opens up a lot of options as we pull up his Elite Prospects page. Isaiah George, a native of Oakville, Ontario. He's a February 2004 birthday, so already 18 years old. We mentioned 6'1", 194 pounds. Elite Prospects loves him. They're higher on him than anybody else, having him 38. And you can see here, again, these pesky zeros, man. I feel for these kids not being able to get out there on a consistent basis. A plus 23 rating, say what you want about plus minus, but being able to be that high in the pluses, certainly doing something right, 23 points in 67 games. As you can see, though, there are certain areas where he's playmaking, he's getting some assists, but just in terms of box score, I don't think it tells the whole story on Isaiah George. He's the type of player where I think the sum of his parts is much more than what you see on the score sheet each and every night. So I'm going to go 3.5 stars just because, again, and maybe I'm contradicting myself in the sense that, you know, I say that they've graduated all these centermen, it's time to reload. But at the same time for Ottawa, left shot defenseman, Shabbat, Brandstrom, Sanderson, you're hoping that's the left side for the next decade. Honestly. (laughs) Right? Maybe Brandstrom can be interchangeable, but you're looking at probably a more veteran piece if not Tyler Clevin, who's going to step up into that role. I just think that if you're looking and yeah, maybe the right side, you'll, you always want to continually have people in the system, but the right side, you've got Gannett, JBD and Lassie Thompson. So like, is that even something that you really need? Or is Ottawa more looking at a left shot defenseman to kind of replenish the system after that? So I think it's going to be really interesting, but for me, three and a half stars for Isaiah George. Coming in at number 58, our final prospect of today's rankings. We are going to Sweden for this one. So outside of the OHL for the first time today, coming in at number 57, it is with an average uh, an average ranking of 54, centerman, Philip Bystead. 
Yep, Philip Bystead. Finally, we're getting out of the O, and we are now getting into some serious size, Ross. Six foot four, 187 pounds. He's a centerman, uh, plays for a Linkoping system over in Sweden. And with the J20 League, he lit it up. Like he had uh, 40 games played, 16 goals, 33 assists, good for 49 points. That season earned him a cup of coffee in the SHL, where in 15 SHL games, he had a goal and an assist. And I really think I, I'd like to get someone on the show, Ross, that covers the Swedish leagues and Swedish prospects more. Just so we. I have an idea. Let's hear it. How about his teammate, Marcus Hogberg? I mean, that would be great. I'd love to hear from Marcus Hogberg. Uh, he, I interviewed him a long time ago in the Brampton Beast Arena. Wow, he's come a long <laughs> way since then. So have we, though. But because um, it's interesting to look at a guy like uh, Philip Bystead, who, uh, and Ross, maybe you can pull up the EP page for him uh, for our friends watching on YouTube, because he's just bouncing around over all these leagues. Like, Every year, Ross, he's playing in uh, like four different leagues. Like he's playing a J18, a different J18, then a U16, a different U16. Like he never really gets an opportunity to get his feet planted in one spot. And finally, this season, he gets 40 games in the J20 league. And he, he absolutely lights it up. He gets more points than he ever has. And he has a great playoffs with them, too. Uh 10 points in eight playoffs games. So I think he was really someone that just needed to have one spot where he can focus on to thrive. And when you're a big centerman and you get some consistency and you get some chemistry with your line mates, you can have a lot of success. We've got a height gate on our hands, Pilsy, because as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I've got him listed at 6'2", 187. I've, I've been going off the NHL central scouting ranks for height and weight, just so it's all consistent in one spot. But you're right, Elite Prospects has him at 6-4. So we're going to have to get the rulers out. And <laughs> yeah. All teams will get a chance to do that at the Scouting Combine, which is going to be in early June. So it is going to be interesting to see how things change, what official numbers we have. But I would like to say he's probably right in the middle. Let's cut the difference, say he's 6-3. Sure. Before we do move to his Elite Prospects page to go through the rankings, Craig Button has him at 34, the highest of anybody. Chris Peters at 44. Bob McKenzie at 45, Scott Wheeler at 55, and Elite Prospects at 92. 92, Billy. I can tell you why he's down there. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, Philippe Bystead is not known for being a good skater. In fact, that's the biggest knock on him is his skating. And a bunch of reports that I read, that's the first thing they kind of mentioned. Big guy. He had a great year in the J20 league over in Sweden. but Sick shot. Yeah, sick shot. But his skating needs a lot of work. And like we mentioned, EP focuses a lot on the skating. Rightfully so. I mean, this is a fast league these days. And young players, if, if you don't have good skating... Your size can only get you so far. But what I like about uh, Bystead, Ross, is he uses his uh, size to get in lanes, and he's a tough player defensively. Tony Ferrari, our good friend, he referenced that he uses his size more for his reach and puck protection rather than being like a big open ice hitter or someone that's going to punish other forwards that are in the slot trying to get good position for a good shot. He uses it more as he's got a long stick, long reach to get around him in transition is not going to be easy. And he's more on the defensive side of the game than offense. I really feel like he's a defense first player. That's going to be an effective penalty killer in a bottom six one day. 
Yeah, I think that's fair for Philippe Bystad. And we'll pull up here, if you're watching on YouTube, his Elite Prospects page. Already 18 years old, a February 2004 birthday from Linkoping. So he's playing in his hometown team. And as we mentioned already, the rankings for the most part are somewhere between 34 and 50. But then Elite Prospects just absolutely hates him. 92nd. I mean... It could be worse. Could be a do not draft. Eh, Pilsy? We know all about that. But to your point, like, look at this. This is just in the last five seasons. Yeah, he's played everywhere. But only, like, four games, 12 games, two games. Like, how are you supposed – and this is why I'd like to talk to someone to see how this kind of development works. Like, how are you supposed to develop at all when you're constantly changing teams, coaches, schemes – uh, like everything is just changing on you all the time. Like, I don't understand how you could get good development there. Yeah, it's very fair. Um, his didn't seem to bother him in, in playing against his own age group this year. You mentioned that it was the most consistency. The only time he's played 20 games, well, more than 15 games yeah. with the same team. He got to play 40 there. And you can tell just from his numbers in the playoffs, nine assists and one goal in eight playoff games. So certainly looking to dish the puck more than shoot it. But as long as he's bringing a defensive presence as well, if that skating improves, he's one of those guys who NHL scouts are going to salivate over and be like, okay, if we can just fix his skating, he could be a pretty sick middle six centerman. Do you see him as a guy who projects as a centerman at the next level? Yeah, I do. With his size and his ability to play well defensively. You're going to have to match up. Like, Think about him going up against Ottawa. Like, Timmy could burn around this guy pretty quick. So how can he play center if his skating is such a flaw? uh, With that long reach, Ross. Like, sure, Timmy can get by him, but you have to get by a a 6'4 guy with reach at first, right? Like, your speed is only so good if he's poking it away from you every single time. And what... um, what uh, a page on the hockey writers that's a, a site i use a lot too they've got a lot of great draft uh prospect profiles so check them out for sure they mentioned that uh he's one of those guys that maybe he's not quite grown into his body yet so when you have an, a massive growth spurt your skating dynamics everything changes right like uh, we talked to igor sokolov ross a guy who has gained a lot of size uh, in, in the last couple of years. He had to totally throw out his skating uh, dynamics and how he skated and had to totally relearn how to skate with this new wow. size. So I think Bystead could be a guy that maybe with some extra sessions with the skating coach and figuring out, okay, you used to skate like this when you were 5'11 a couple of years ago, but now you're 6'4. You got to change everything, your motion, your stride. You need to change a lot of things to be effective. So maybe he just needs some time to figure that out. So Scott Wheeler, who's usually pretty uh, partial to smaller players that are explosive and all that. Well, his quote after the U18s this year. Where he won a gold was, medal by stud. Is that good? Uh, was he contributing on there too? Of course, uh, maybe not as much as his teammates were. Certainly not like uh, Jonathan Lekaramaki, who we did uh, before we even started the countdown. We just had to profile three guys who were going top 10. So again, you can go watch that draft profile right on this playlist if you're watching on YouTube. But he was a defense first role on that team and still had three points in six games. But that's what you're getting. You're getting a defense first center who might have some untapped offensive potential but back to what scott wheeler said big boy that moves well once he builds ahead of steam through the neutral zone so i think it's just he lacks right now the explosiveness Mm -hmm. 
But again, once he gets up to speed, when you have limbs that long, you're going to be able to create momentum through that. So I think that his vision's solid. Uh, back to Scott Wheeler's quote, good puck control protection tools for his sides, which goes back to what you mentioned Tony pointed out about he uses that big body effectively, kind of like Logan Brown did. Say what you want about the injuries, but Logan Brown was always good at protecting the puck away from defenders with that long reach. So I think that you're certainly getting a safer pick here, but a guy, again, and we're probably going to say this a lot in this range here from 40 to 60, there's untapped potential. It's just, can they reach it? What do you have for him as a potential Senators pick? I've got him at three and a half stars because like you said, I think it it would be good if they can replenish some of their centermen here. I think it'd be good if they got some defense first minded guys and, and guys that are big, but not your Tyler Boucher's, not your Ridley Greggs that are out there chucking the body around and really playing that type of physical game, but that are using their size in other ways. So I like Philly Bystead here. I have him at three and a half stars as well. I think it's the first time you and I have the exact same amount of stars on a prospect. And we're going to have plenty more to come as we count down our top 64 NHL draft prospects. All right, Pilsy, another good one in the books. Four prospects down. We're going to keep it at four per show until we get to the mid-40s. Then three per show for the early second rounders. Again, the Senators have a pick in that range. And then for the first rounders from 32 to number one, we are going to do two per show and get some deep dives on there that will take the calendar right up until a week before the draft where we'll enjoy a few interviews with scouts and then you can have a reference point of all these players we're talking about and again please subscribe to our youtube channel leave a comment below how are you going to bring claude Giroux to (laughs) ottawa we need to know from you pilsy final thoughts on today's show I think one of the biggest thoughts is if you would have told me that the florida panthers would get swept by any team even the Tampa Bay Lightning, I wouldn't have believed you. Like the amount of offensive firepower this team had. Aaron Ekblad is back for their decor. Sergei Bobrovsky was finally playing well. I'm just shocked that they didn't get a single win. And I think I saw a stat that said yesterday's game was the first time all season the Florida Panthers were shut out. Correct. That's insane that an elimination game, the Tampa Bay Lightning are able to do that. Wow. Do you have a parlay today? No parlay today. Okay, we'll save it. I mean, you're four and eight. You're at 500. It was exciting. Parlay game's tough, man. Parlay game game. is tough. Uh, We're going to enjoy some more playoff hockey tonight. The Battle of Alberta, of course, will be front and center in our minds. We'll break that down tomorrow and get back to our NHL draft rankings. But for today, we say goodbye for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.